point back to what they call the root of the problem, which was being obsessed with self. Yeah. Being obsessed. So if you look at an obsession, well, I don't want to go there tonight. Let's go. So the idea of being obsessed with self, I don't believe is the root of the problem. I believe it's called I, being identified as a self. It sounds a little bit semantic, but it's a big difference. Because if you're obsessed with self, yes, and yet you're identified as self, it would be self obsessing over self. Yeah? And in a way, self can never get out of self. So the solution can't come from the system that the problem is hatched in. Yeah? The idea of, so for me, a mental process produces the sense of being a self. Yeah. You didn't have it when you were born. When you were a young kid, they've already proven it and researched that for the first year or so as, you, as a baby. There is no sense of you and other. Yeah? There's just whatever. And that's why mo most people don't have memories at a young age because self is self and memory are very, very synonymous. Yeah? Self needs memory to keep appearing as you. It has to be. It's basically its appearance is really a, an appearance from the past which it's made up, yes? Because right now there's a moment, but in our mental realm, that moment is bookended by a mental concept called the past and another mental concept called the future. And most minds dwell in that. They dwell in the past and the future, and they're doing it now. Yeah? If you look at your system of thought, it doesn't have much value in the present moment. It's Most of its value is... Future and past, yes? And when you really look at the thought system and you see how does the thought system present you, it presents you as a body, yes? So when you think about you, you're usually thinking about you as a body. When you think about the past, you're presented in the past as a body. When you're thinking and worrying about the future, about something that may happen to you, the you that it's inferring to or implying is a body, yes? So the system of thought and interpretation, I call it self-centeredness, that system has you as a body. You've got to see it's already failed right there and then. Because the most it can do with its true nature, which is, let's say, a no-thingness or a spirit, if you want to call it, or mind, is to make spirit or mind or no thingness, which could be, I'm saying it is, your true nature and experience that you have as a body. And if you've ever tried to become spiritual as a body, it hasn't worked out probably that well. Yeah. No matter if you do a month retreat and you're meditating 13 hours a day, the 31st day you go back to work and it's all just gone. You're back into the same modality again, seemingly. Yeah. So... The mental process, an aspect of mind, working through the brain, produces the sense of being a self. That's what it does. It's not just a thought. It's a thought wrapped with a feeling. You've got a vague sense that you're this piece right here. And so from that point of view, let's say nothingness is now located somewhere at some time, which is here and to me now. But now isn't now. Because now is an uninterrupted, uninterrupted space. Now is an idea of something between the past and the future. That's not the way it is, if you look at it, yeah? If, if you ever think about a moment of, let's say, 20 years ago, basically the same presence 
of that moment is the same presence of this moment. All the people that appeared in it and all your interpretation of it and all the little cameo appearances, but basically the underlying presence of awareness is the exact same in every, every moment. Yeah. Every, every moment, that basic awareness, that context that doesn't get interrupted or produced or defeated by the content. It has nothing to do with what's happening here. Nothing whatsoever. It's uninterrupted, but the mind has partitioned it. It's made it into time. Yes? And then you can be located in time as a body. Yeah? So now, this allness of now becomes a, a, a time and a place then, and then the mind is fixated on times and places there. Yeah? What's going to happen to me as a body then? Yeah? And it gets obsessed. And if you look at an obsession, if you've ever been obsessed over something, probably not, you know, but I was. I was obsessed over cocaine especially. No matter how much I love cocaine, and in this life I've never loved anything more than cocaine. I really haven't. I mean, and I was totally devoted to it. I gave up everything to do coke. I mean, I was a better devotee than any devotee in India to cocaine. I worshipped at its altar every day. I gave up everything, all my morals and integrity, just to do another hit of cocaine. But never did I become coke. Yeah. No matter how much I did, I never crossed the line and became coke. Yes? There was always a separation of me and coke, yeah? But in the act of being identified, you're so far beyond obsession because you're the one who has obsession or no obsession. You're the one that's written to every aspect of this life. This life, in a sense, seems to be happening to you. You can't be more obsessed than that. Yeah? That everything that is ever engaged with, be it thought, feeling, eye, hearing, seeing, tasting, touching, is being engaged as you. Holy cow! I mean, it's so far beyond obsession, it's unbelievable. And what's incredible, like I never lost my identity to Coke, you know, it was always Coke in me, so I could actually get a sense of the obsession. If you're identified as what you're not, you have no idea that you're identified as what you're not. And you're going to have tons of obsessions about a many, many, many things, but there's only going to be one you that's obsessed by over those many, many things. That's the true obsession. Believing you're the center of this experience as this is the most incredibly obsessed thing that the mind could ever do. And yet, it's so far gone, it's so identified as that, it, has, it goes through obsessions like this every day. Yeah? Have you ever been obsessed over one thing and then you get some kind of relief and then the next thing shows up? So I had the trifecta. I was obsessed over dr alcohol, drugs, and then a sexual addiction. I can't believe it. You know? And then if that's gone, shopping or something else. The mind is obsessing like crazy. But the fact is, it's the real dilemma isn't the obsessions, it's who's obsessed. Because you believe it's a you. Yeah? And that's how the mind presents it. The mind presents life as a you, a you. If you believe it, the A drops off and now it's you. Now you're the center of this life. So now life is never, never, very rarely seen as happening. It's always happening to you. It's an incredible obsession. Yeah? So, 
And then, if this is your navigator, if this is your captain, if you have anything to do with the recovery program, it says, why do you have so much fear? And it doesn't let us answer, because that would be a giant novel, you know, why we think we have fear. It says, isn't it because self-reliance has failed us? What is reliance on self? The highest form of reliance on anything is to be identified as it. You cannot go past that. I mean, I relied on Coke, but I never became Coke, yeah? I relied on it incredibly, but I never crossed the line. We have crossed that line so far that we're identified. Yeah? We're identified as a, a product of a mental process. The mental process to me is selfing, and the selfing, which is a verb, it's a mental verb, the selfing implies there's a noun. Yeah? So here, the basic moment of life is right here now. There's a sensing, you can sense presence or silence, whatever, but usually there's consciousness in contact, yeah? Consciousness in contact by seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. And you see thoughts like you'd see a bird go by with an eye, yeah? You hear thoughts, yes? You see and hear them. And the funny thing is, what causes you to really be fixated on them, they sound like you. But where does that you come from? It's the sound of a vocal cord that just comes from a body. How could that be seen as you, unless you're identified as the body? Yeah? How could you believe the sounds produced by vocal cords here is your voice, unless you're identified as the body? Yeah? So here, all right. So now there's an identification as, as in, in place. This object is taken to be the subject. So now, when seeing's happening, which is occurring, I'm watching you right now, there's the interpretation by the mental process is I'm seeing. Isn't it? Hearing, I'm hearing. Feeling, I'm feeling this. Tasting, I'm tasting this. Touching, I'm touching this. Thinking, I'm thinking this. Do you see that the seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching come before the mental hijacking of it, where the verb of living or being is conscious contact, seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. The mental process tries to place itself behind it and claims it, going, I'm the seer, I'm the hearer, I'm the feeler, I'm the taster, I'm the toucher. Yeah? But if you look out the window and your eyes open and a, a bird flies by, you're going to see the bird. Your mind might say, I didn't want to see that bird, but you saw the bird. Before the opinion of the mental process about seeing the bird, there was the seeing, yes? When you have a feeling, oh, I don't want to feel this, but you've already felt it, yeah? The feeling comes first. The recognition of a feeling comes first, and then the mental reaction is secondary. Secondary. But we forgot the first step of living, and now we're living in interpretation. Because really, everything is verbing here. Everything is verbing. But the mind wants to put a noun in front of it. Yeah. So seeing is just seeing. In a sense, there's no seer. Yeah. There's just seeing. Yeah. There is no hearer. There's just hearing going on. There's no feeler. There's feeling. There's no taster. There's tasting. But the mental process is to say, no, there is a taster. There is a hearer. There is a feeler, there is a seer, and you know what? It's this. I'm seeing. I'm hearing. I'm feeling. So here you go. 
in the seeing right now, subjectivity, you hear the word subjectivity? Spirit, whatever you want to call it, consciousness. Consciousness is looking out, yes? Seeing. Everyone would have the exact same experience. They'd say, I'm seeing, wouldn't they? If I asked you, you'd say, I'm seeing. I'm seeing, I'm seeing. Now, when the seeing is going on, there's, there's a seeing of a you, yes? So I go, I'm seeing you, I'm seeing you, I'm seeing you, I'm seeing you. And then you would say, I'm seeing you, I'd be a you, yeah? To your eye, and I'm, and you are a you to my eye, yeah? But in fact, all that seeing is I, yeah? I, 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 I. And the, the, when I ask myself, who's seeing, I go, I. And then I ask, who is this I? What does the mind usually say? It says me. Yeah? Now, what's the me? What does the me imply? It implies a you. Yeah? This is a you, and this is a you. Yeah? In, re in relation to the I, we're all yous. Yeah? I see. So this is a you, but I'm identified with it, so this you is called me. Yeah? Just like that same you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you, are all called me by the mind that's in the trance of selfing, yes? The I goes unnoticed, even though it's the bringer of all life. The only way you are seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching is through the I. That I is forgotten, and the me takes over, yeah? Which is just the you, which is an object to the seeing, yeah? The seeing, the subjectivity, is seeing an object. This is an object which subjectivity in this position is seeing. Natalia in this thing is seeing me as an object, and in here, this subject is seeing dead as an object. Yeah? But we believe when the seeing's happening that this object is who's seeing. You can't see the beginning of a huge geometric progression into a mental realm of hell? That seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching is never sensed as it is, which is pure subjectivity. It's been hijacked as I'm the one that's seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. As soon as the mind claims to seeing, it has the right to have tons of opinions about what it believes it's seen. Tons of opinions about what it felt. Tons of opinions about what it heard. And it just riffs. It just selfs all over the place. Yeah? It's just an absurd jump to believe you're the thinker. If you were the thinker, why, why, stop, stop thinking. It's amazing how we can't even take a shit when we want to, but we believe we're the thinker of thoughts. Yet, all the function is body. I'm not, if it was up to me, I'd be dead, yeah? My heart would have, I would have forgot to pump my heart, you know? I'm not like, I'm not storing burritos from last week, and I'll get to it later, I'm busy tonight. I can't be digesting food right now. No, this is, it's sub, but we do the same, we apply the same crazy idea to this. You know, seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. We actually believe we're doing it, yet we can't even do almost any of the functions of the body, but we believe we're doing this. It's incredibly insane. You know? So here, if the object takes itself to be the subject, what do you believe happens? You ever heard of duality, duality, dualism? Yeah, it's important. This dream is split. This is how it's dreamt by the mind while it's dreaming. 
It dreams yes and no, high and low, male, female, either or. Every coin has two sides. No matter how many times you cut the coin, it's going to still have two sides. Yes? That's the way the interpretation occurs. <laughs> yeah? So right now we're in what you call dualism. This has taken itself to be the subject, and everything else is an object to it. Yeah? This is an object, but it's taking, it interprets the subjectivity as something that it's doing. Yeah? As soon as I become the object, what happens to what you would call the truth? It becomes an object to me. That's why you never find it. Enlightenment becomes an object that you're going to achieve. Give me a break. There's no thing called enlightenment. Yeah? There's, it's not an object. A concept is a mental object. It's not an object, but if you, this object, takes itself to be the subject, everything else is passed to be an object to you. So now you're looking for the truth, as if it was like a, some shiny thing that if you got it would give you an advantage as this, yes? Or, you know, nothing else worked, drugs, nothing, so now I'm going to do spirituality. I'm going to become spiritual as this, yeah? So I'm going to graft spirituality. I'm going to read the books, I'm going to meditate, and this and that. How, how long does it stick? It's like you constantly have to keep applying it. It's like trying to stick something onto Teflon. It just goes on and on and on. just falls off. It's, you know, a month-long retreat, the next day you go to work, it's already blown. It just becomes an experience I had. I had this incredible spiritual experience this weekend. No, you didn't. You know? An epiphany, the an epiphany. Have you ever made a reservation for an epiphany? Have you? Have you ever called ahead? All right, I'll be there at 8.30. Get the candles ready and Kenny, you know, Kenny G music pumping in. Yes, get that whites. I like the whites. Yes, I want it all ready for me. No, just fruit, nothing heavy. I'm gonna have an epiphany. No, what happens is something occurs. Yes, we call it an event. And really, what I believe happens is there's the absence of self. Yes. And then the epiphany, if you notice, seems to start to end when a thought rises and says, I'm having this incredible epiphany. Yeah? As soon as the mind starts claiming the epiphany, it's bye-bye epiphany, isn't it? And then the epiphany becomes something, something that happened to you as the subject. So now, here's your epiphany, which has nothing to do with being an object. Yeah? You stick like this. And now you, as a pseudo-subject, walk around it trying to figure it out. I had this incredible epiphany, and you, you compare it to other people's epiphanies, and you're trying to figure out, how can I grab this epiphany again? How can I force it to happen again? You've now made your own absence as an object. Yeah? You've made the absence of self as an object to the self. The mind has claimed the epiphany, puts it on its little spiritual mantle, maybe reads books to see if he can get some kind of validation for what, what level of spirituality he or she now has achieved. It's freaking incredible. The presence that we're so importantly looking for is your absence as a subject. That's it. Yeah? The presence that's available at all times, with no requirement necessary to meet it, will never be met by you as the subject. It's when, just like St. Francis says, it's in self-forgetting you're reborn. Yeah? When you die to the idea of being a self, then everything starts to happen. 
Because when you're really present as this, yes, when the object becomes the subject, the subject, which is intimation, is presence, is not available to you. You've already made it into an object because you've become the subject, yes? It's when this is seen not to be so. I am not a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. I don't know what the hell I am, but I am not that. In that recognition, this becomes absence, absent of as you, yes? And as soon as it's absent as you, you sense the presence of what you as an object, when it becomes a subject, makes unavailable. It's just that fucking simple, yeah? And because the presence is not a time-based solution, it's not in time, yes? There's no time restraints to it, and it cannot be moved towards or moved away from. You cannot do a process and arrive at what's everywhere. Yeah. It's just a recognition that you're not a special somewhere, and as soon as you see you're not a special somewhere, the obviousness of everywhere runs right over you. Yeah? Because there is no escape from everywhere. And there's no place, you can't go to the center of everywhere, because everywhere is the center of everywhere. Yeah? But if you believe you're in a little special gated community, this little idea of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, and then you want to have an experience of everywhere brought to your little special gated community, so that you, instead of recognizing all there is is that, you make it an experience that you had. Yeah? That experience is going to be very infrequent. It cannot not be so. Yeah? As how can... <laughs> How can you recognize yourself as subjectivity when you're trying to recognize subjectivity as a subject? You have to be casting it into being an object to you, yeah? So you're studying it and you're trying to do this and that. You're trying to graft or get an object for you as a subject to have a better advantage than you have right now. It's pointless. It's like they say, when you see the Buddha on the street, shoot him. You make it an object, when the Buddha becomes an object to you, then you're, you're defined as the subject. It's just like St. Francis says, you'll miss it. What's looking is what you are looking for. You'll miss it, totally. Yet, what's looking, the interpretation of my head is it's me looking. Every moment of me, quote-unquote me looking, is what's looking. And that's what the you that's looking is looking for. Is what's looking. It's the same thing. You came here to find something, and you came with what you want to find, yeah? But if you're the subject, everything's cast into being an object. Check it out. When you hear the word the void in Buddhism, Buddhism, yeah? Buddhism, the void, isn't it an object, a mental object? Isn't it an idea or a concept? It implies something too. Enlightenment, isn't that a concept? That's a mental object. How can it be a mental object? And how can it be almost impossible not to make it a mental object? Because you're taking yourself to be the subject. This is what I love about this message. If I'm not that, if I'm not that subject, yes? A pause occurs, and then you find out something you can never study. You can't know it. it does, it's worth more than 800 pages of scriptures. It just hits you.
like an unspoken yes. You just, there's a sense of presence. And you realize, Jesus, the presence is actually my absence. Yeah. When I'm absent, as the subject, that's the presence. And you'll know the tree by the fruit. You'll see after a period of time how you're traveling. You'll travel a lot lighter in this place. It doesn't change the geography of your life. If you're going to get fired, you may get fired. Yeah. If you're going to be married, have kids, you, that may happen. But the terrain of that geography, you'll travel lighter over. Like the Course in Miracles says, you know, you're going to dream yourself out of this dream. Yeah. And as you're doing that, the dream will get happier. Yeah. In other words, your vision, the way we look or the way we see right now is called self-centeredness, yeah? Everything is seen as how it pertains to us, isn't it? That self-centeredness is sort of like a blinding mechanism. Your vision is a conditional vision. So you and I give everything all the meaning it has here, so one person can be here and be living a hell here, and another person can be in the same circumstances and be living a heaven here. That's how incredibly contrasting it can be. Just like in recovery, a lot of people will come in and say, you know, I want to get to, I'm going to share about the worst thing that ever happened to me. And they have, they've built an altar around the worst thing that happened to them. It's given them reasons why their marriages failed and everything like that. And there's a lot of mental investment in that being the worst thing that ever happened to them. After a year or two of recovery, they come back and they say, hey, I've had to revise everything. That was the best thing that ever happened to me. Can you see the contrast in that? That there is nothing real here? It's just what meaning you give it? Yeah? And if the meaning that's being given into life, into this world of objects, by this object taking itself to be the subject, which is self-centeredness, yeah, that meaning, that little program or modality of meaning, which we've all had all of its possibilities, all of them. We've, we've gone over every inch of self-centeredness. We believed that that fairy princess was going to save us the eighth time, or the knight in shining armor was going to come. There's never a sense of being okay. It's always, I will be okay sometime later, after I do something, or someone else does something for me. It's all self-centeredness, yeah? The mind's ability to entertain is unbelievable. Unbelievable. But if the mind is entertained that it's a self, every moment from that point on, when it entertains, it entertains as a self. And therefore, its unbelievability to entertain is structured or framed by self-centeredness. Yeah? Like this. And what happens here, when this is the frame of self-centeredness, all you experience are mental states. Yeah? Mental states. Mental states. Mental states. Mental states based on your vision, your conditional vision, by what meaning has been given to life. It can be a hell or a heaven or a nirvana or a fucking samsara. Yes? So here, it's like in recovery, it says, you know, a God of our own understanding. I hope, if you're in recovery, that someday it'll get to a point that you want a God of its own understanding. Because if you attempt to have a God in self-centeredness, that God is going to be weaker than self. Self is the real God. That's why in AA it says, you've got to quit playing God. That's why it doesn't work. This whole thing about life is learning how to quit playing God. So here I am in self-centeredness, and from here I'm giving my higher power the meaning it has. Maybe I'll get parking space next week, or maybe I'll have a month-long relationship, or I won't flip out at the next picnic, you know? 
very, very meager possibilities of entertaining. But if I have a God of its own understanding, I find out what life imagines me to be. Yeah? I find out what life imagines me to be. Instead of me imagining what life is, I find out what life imagines me to be. Yeah? It's so beautiful because knowing is the booby prize. Totally booby. Finding out is alive. Knowing is dead. Yes? To know anything based on this system is you only know from the past, about the past, projecting into a future, which is going to be just like the past. But when you can give up on that, yes, and I'm not saying stop that, because that would also be selfie, yeah? to believe that you can stop something. Just see you're not the center of the system. You may not possibly be yourself. When you're not that, you start, your interest and attention get broken from that bondage to self, like we always say in recovery, please, please relieve me of the bondage to self. What's the bondage to self? For something to be bonded, there's got to be something else, yes? And there's got to be a gluing agent. What's the gluing agent? The thought system, isn't it? All day, life is being narrated from the point of view of you. And it's boring as hell. Have you ever had, had someone come over and self all over you? You'd rather fucking do anything than listen to that. But you've been listening to the same thing in your head for 40 years, thinking it's incredibly interesting. It's insane. The only reason why is because it's about you. Yeah? That's the whole glue, is you believe this is about you. That's why you can't break away from the thoughts. That's why you have no immunity to the thoughts. You think you're the thinker of them, or they're about you. Yeah? <laughs> so you bitch and scream, but there's no way you want to leave it. You don't want to miss one episode of the story of Paul. You go over and over and over again. Have you ever done that, when you go home? I remember when I was a kid, I was 11 years old, and I was in school. <laughs> and a girl walked by me in the hallway, and I said hello to, she said hello to me. And I looked at her, and I, you know, I went home, and I wondered what she meant by it for about five hours. I went home, and my mind just represented the event over and over again, ad nauseum. It was like one little event in millions of events in this little school. But to me... All of that was put aside. I just sat there. And you know what? what? How it could be presented was defined by the system I was identified as. So it was all presented as how it pertained to me. Hard nauseum. This is what we're living with every freaking day. Yes? You go home, and the day's already done. You're not where you are. You're not where you were. Yes? And there's a different time, but the mind doesn't take that into consideration. It just goes back and represents it with thought, doesn't it? And then you go over, as if you had any power. Oh, if I wouldn't have done that, or I should have done this. And this is, it's totally selfing, don't you see? It's just pure, thorough obsession with self. All that movement is the obsession. But why is the obsession always there? Because it's to reinforce the identification. The obsession is the bonding agent to the identification as a self. You would not know you're a self unless you thought. Yeah? You would, have, you would have no fucking idea what was going on. All this is known from the past. And it just broadcasts K-Paul every day, 24-7. Yes? And you're buying his product line, the propaganda, false evidences appearing real constantly. You're living in what's not happening. 
Yeah? You're sitting in this room and you're not even present, basically. Your mind is in what's not happening. And anything can be happening in what's not happening. You can have cancer next week, you know. Your girlfriend's sleeping with your best friend next Friday. You're going to be fired. You're going to be sleeping in a, you know, a refrigerator box at 6th and Mission. All like this. And here you are. Everything's quite okay right now. But to you, there's no response to this. There's a reaction to all this. And we're addicted to it. Yeah. We have total faith in the thought system. That's why you, when you have faith in this thought system, it's not you having faith. We all, the mind has faith. Yeah? But the, what happens is, wherever the faith is given to, whatever vehicle it is put in, yes, that's how it manifests. So most people are perfect, true devotees of thought. They're believing every freaking thought in their head. Every false evidence is appearing real to them. They, and what happens is that faith, given over, produces anxiety. People call fear, it's not fear. Fear is a valid emotion. Most people are suffering in mental anxiety. They're, they're having a product from what's not happening. There is no airport in what's not happening. You cannot have a tour in what's not happening. There's no hotel you can book. Yes? But when your mind goes there, it brings back into the body realm, yes, an experience, a, a contraction, a coiling up, yes, a saying no to now by saying yes to that insane what's not happening. Yeah? And then we suffer the lack of being alive and we're looking and looking and looking and seeking and seeking and seeking to get some kind of shot of being alive when it's basically life is totally absent to you because your mind has presented you as this all day. So from, in this way, all you need to do is start telling the truth about what you're not. I mean, it's obvious. Everything that appears is not you, yeah, in a sense. You're not what's being seen, and you're not the seer. There's just seeing, yes? You're a verb, in a sense. That's the closest you can come to it, yeah? But you can see what you're not, yeah? And in the seeing of what you're not, that's what you are. You are the seeing of what you're not. This presence, by me seeing this, it, re it infers that I'm not this. Because, in fact, anything that can be seen can't be what's seen. Yeah? An old master called Huang Po, he's a Zen master from the old days in China, he had a beautiful line, many of them, but one of them was, whatever can be perceived cannot perceive. Yeah? So when you, if you're seeing this body, this, ain't what, this is not what's perceiving. Yeah? Have you ever seen a dead body that you used to know? I've had the experience when my uncle, I said this many times, but bear with me. My uncle Fred passed away when I was young. and he, I liked the guy and stuff. And uh, my mother took me to the funeral. I was nine years old. And she walked me in front of the casket. And I got to look to say goodbye to Uncle Fred. And when I looked at the body, it was a very strong hit. I, that's not Uncle Fred. Yeah? It was just obvious. The body was there, complete. Yeah? But the, the lack of the animation of the body was obviously what Uncle Fred was, was the a animation, yes, in a sense. When I saw it being inanimate, I got that it that in Uncle Fred. And I, then, in hindsight, when I got much older, I realized I was calling Uncle Fred a body because I was assuming I was a body. 
Yes? I couldn't recognize the spirit of Uncle Fred because I wasn't recognizing the spirit of this. Yeah? So I immediately, when I saw the subjectivity, I saw it as being an adverb the object was doing. Yeah? Because the same thing, when subjectivity was expressing itself through this, I called it a verb that I, as this, was doing. I'm seeing, I'm hearing, I'm feeling, I'm tasting, I'm touching. Yeah? But in case, in fact, there isn't any I that's doing anything. There's just the doing of things. Yeah? Like Lord Buddha said, events happen, deeds are done, but there's no individual doer thereof. Yeah? There's just shit going on. I don't know. For me, I found it a lot lighter way to travel. It's an incredible heavy weight when life is happening to you. <laughs> it's fucking unbelievable. Because you have a lot of opinions why it shouldn't be happening to you that way. <laughs> but when you see life is happening, it gets a lot lighter, yes. And if the solution is of no time, there's no time, there's no time that you can be away from it, and there's no time that you can be moving towards it. Yeah? And if it's something that you can't have, you can't lose. Yeah? If you believe you achieve something, don't you have the same belief that you can lose it? If you believe what the condition you're in now is based on what you did, then you can believe that if I don't do that, then it won't be that condition anymore. Is that peace? That sounds circumstantial to me, yes? Conditional. In other words, it seems like you're the God concerning that peace. That that peace was produced by your doing, and it's unproduced by you not doing. That's not peace. Peace is not of this place. It's not produced by something here. It's an unproduced possibility. Yeah? I'm feisty today. Ready? Yes. Yes. So there's this little bit dilemma, if you ever study duality and dualism, it's, to me it's a, it's a nice sort of way of understanding something because it has nothing to do with you. If this is taken to be the subject, everything else is cast into an objective role. That's why enlightenment isn't entertained as a state that's possible now because it seems to have to, it has to, to us, it has to seem to be able to take time and doing for us to have any relevance concerning it, yes? We have to make it relevant to us, and the only way it can be relevant to us is by being an object to us as a subject. When you realize you're not the subject, then you that those things that were put off in, oh, I have to go to the Himalayas, or I've got to go to a burner and study Vipassana and all this baloney, and it's, all, it's totally okay to do any of that, but to have that as the way it's going to happen is insanity. Because this is not a happening. It's always available at all times. If you ever heard of the pop when your head comes out of the uh, ass of self? Have you ever heard of that? <laughs> pop. There's a certain pop. Yeah. Do you believe that was what, what was popped into was hurriedly produced by your popping? No. You just became uh, something that's always so became obvious finally. And not to you. <laughs> it will never become obvious to you. It became obvious, yeah? Usually, what happens is this arises, claims it, and then takes it up the ass itself and puts it in its little dark mantle. Oh, I had this incredible spiritual experience. 
going to be infrequent and it's going to come only to go. Yes? So let's say you do a lot of med- you meditate. What happens after a few years of meditation and you miss a day of meditation? Isn't the mind's interpretation of the day, the day sucked because I missed my meditation. And then you're rushing around like crazy to get back to your pillow to make up for the hour that you missed. And then, oh, I'm back in my, I'm back in my relaxed condition, totally contrived by mind. Yeah. Have you ever meditated a lot? When it gets really good, you usually get up. <laughs> when it's driving you crazy, you'll be sitting there like a warrior. As soon as it opens up, oh, i got to do the laundry. It's fucking crazy, man. <laughs> but if you're not, because really, this is an object that's being meditated by consciousness. And if you recognize you're not this, you'll have a sense of being meditated. Yeah? You'll have the sense of the meditation of this object. You'll have a sense of it. And you'll have a sense of presence. And presence is a beautiful word because it's not past nor future. It's always available at the only time there is, which is this presence. Yeah? It's its nature. So when I forget about self, I, re- I sense that presence. And I found that's what we're truly looking for. Yeah? The real solution to dissatisfaction is satisfaction. All the other stuff is philosophy. If you really become, if there's a sense of deep satisfaction, all your seeking and shit will chill out. It's not your seeking. All the seeking of mind and all the agitation chills out. Yeah? It's like, it's like this, uh, it's like a lens almost. I remember the first person I heard share about this, I was at the meeting and she was talking and I, something occurred and I raised my hand and I said, man, it's amazing. Just by listening to what you said, I thought I was seeing these mental states. Yeah. That I, Paul, was seeing these mental states. I didn't realize the sense of being Paul was a mental state, seeing a mental state. And so there I was walking around with like a lens, you know, seeing, which is infinite, but it's encased in a lens here, yes, called self centeredness. So suddenly I was just seeing everything with this uh, definition, yeah? And then that little invitation by that lady, the thing just went bing, and more seeing, more space, yeah, which equates to presence. And then it happened about eight or nine times because when things were happening, the the the, the self thing always wants to appear to be the authentic self, like oh I'm the one who's seeing all this. I've now seen all the shades and shadows of self, but it's it's taking itself to be real. And then what happens is, like Ramana Maharshi says, there's a guy sitting in the auditorium watching the movie, and he sees the movie's unreal. Yeah, it's very clear. This place is unreal. But while sitting in the chair in the auditorium, he has a sense that he's real as this, seeing the movie as unreal. And Ramana say, no, the circle is, you're feeling like you're seeing the movie as unreal, and your real is some of the movie. Yeah? And that being anything as this never escapes the movie. You're always inside the circle of content. You're never in the midst of context. Yeah? You're always, as a mental product, inside the content. No matter how many times your head says, oh, I finally found my authentic self, it's baloney. Because there is no authentic self. Yeah? The thing just keeps opening up more and more. I can, yeah? And the more and more this opens up, the more and more you lose interest in selfing, then the sense of presence 
grows, yeah? Without seemingly doing anything. And then, it's not based on where I go to practice anything. It's a constant practice, in a way. It's called living. Because all, every moment, there's conscious contact. Consciousness is demonstrating itself through this apparatus. There's seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. If, and after a while, that whispers or intimates what's so. Because you can't see what's so. It's no thing. Yeah? I can't feel it, taste it, touch it, smell it. But in... The seeing of things, in the hearing of things, in the feeling of things, there's an intimation of it, yeah? There's an intimation. For me, it's that sense of this presence. And I found that it's never not there. Never. You can't get totally absorbed in your mind, and then when you pop out, it doesn't take any time for the presence to come back. It's not like you drove it away. It's just immediately there. Hasn't it happened? How many have had been on like a train of thought and then suddenly you sort of wake up and then it isn't like you have to take another train to go to unthought. It's just presence. Yeah, just presence. It's always there. It's like, you know, where it's either something's really super fast or it's never moved. <laughs> All the movement is seemingly. It appears to be true or false to you. It's all the movement of being close and far is all made up. Yeah? What, what is that but playing God that when you believe you're getting close to God? Who tells you when you're close to God? God or you? If it's you, I would say that's playing God. About what? God. Don't you think? Well, if, this is the, you're, if this is the authority, Jesus, it's like those little games we used to play with a kid where they'd hide something in the bushes and everyone stopped looking and they go, okay, you're getting warmer. You're getting warmer, so you do a two-month retreat. You're getting warmer. You're getting warmer. You're getting close. It's hot, hot, and so oh, cold again. Uh-oh. You left the retreat, and you had a, a perverse thought about someone. Cold, cold. This thing's playing God. Yeah. <laughs> How could something false ever recognize false evidence that's appearing real? It's appearing real because it's taken to be real. Do you think the false evidence is appearing real? It appears real when this false evidence is taken to be real. Everything else that's false can seem to be real. Yeah? The false evidence isn't relying on anything other than you to appear real to. Because if, let's say you're entertaining something, like something in what's not happening, like next week you're going to be fired, yes? Now, I'm, I, can't, I can't touch it, see it, or feel it, so all I can go by is what you're sharing, but I have no connection to it, yes? So the false evidence that's appearing real for you is not appearing real for me, yeah? So is it the quality of the evidence that makes itself be unreal or real? Then it would do the same to me. It's not. It's your quality. You give the meaning to false evidence that it's real. How many times have you tried to convince someone about the false evidence that's appearing real to you, especially in relationships? I want you to know that you don't, and the other person has false evidence appearing real about the other person. It's like unbelievable communication. What? Where did that come from? Oh, I know you've been planning to do this to me. Just fucking, I never even think about you anymore. What? I knew it. This is all false evidence appearing real, yes? What gives it the meaning of it being real or not? 
the initial, the original false evidence that you're a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, that nothingness is a body. Yeah. When this is entertained, you start seeing false evidence as what? False evidence. Then it doesn't appear real, so now you've seen the solution in the blueprint room, instead of having to demolish a house that was built in this consequential level, which is going to take time and activity to do it, yes? You see it in the blueprint room. If you see false evidence as false evidence, it doesn't appear real to you. It doesn't set off a train of circumstances that bring you misfortune. Yes? You see it. But if that blueprint becomes a house, it's a... You know how long it takes to build a house? Maybe months. How long does it take to destroy it? A second. Yeah? So this is just an invitation. If you, if you see that what is assumed by the system you're relying on to be you, yes? The whole center of the system of thought an interpretation called self-centeredness is based, centered on self, being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. Yeah? If that may not be true, what happens is all the, all the aspects of that system that keep orbiting you in your life, yeah? not orbiting you, but yes, some have like they, they're daily, others have a long orbit. They come back every few years. Have you ever noticed that? Yeah? Those thoughts are not holding the planet in place. The planet is holding the thoughts in place by feeling they're your thoughts, yes? Or they're about you. If you entertain they're not your thoughts and they're not about you, those thoughts will, will perform by their real nature, which is they come to go. Yeah? Come to go. And I'll tell you, you'll realize what's not happening is what? Not happening. And the only, the only true solution to what's not happening is that it's not happening. If you see that next week being destitute is not happening, what more do you need to do about it? Yeah? Really. If the fear of being destitute next week is not happening, what is, there, what, what is needed than seeing it's not happening? What more do you need to do? Do you need to have therapy around what's not happening? I would think, no, just see it as not happening. What occurs is your attention and interest is right here with what's happening. And what's happening maybe doesn't have all the excitement of what's not happening, but it has the quality what's not happening doesn't have, which is it's happening. Yeah? This is happening. Like it or not, this is happening. And this is the invitation right here, right now, just as it's manifesting. Yeah. The same hearing, seeing, feeling, tasting, touching is the underlying fact of that would be underlying your mythical great moment or your most terrible heinous moment. The same, the same raw data of this moment is always available. The real richness of any moment is the, is the underlying seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching because that's you being in contact. Your consciousness, yes? Every moment brings you to you. Why wait for a mythical moment for you to finally arrive at, which is never now and never here. It's always somewhere back then, it once happened, or someday it will happen. Yeah? But in fact, what I am is demonstrating all of its qualities right now. That quality 
quality of awareness in this present moment. talk can you go to with background loop music? It's incredible. We don't even play it. It just shows up. Isn't that incredible? Really. <laughs> and, and when you hear it, isn't this, don't you sense the silence that is all around that note? Yeah. Actually, the silence is what brings the note to us. Nothingness is the mother and father of thingness. Nothingness gives birth in appearance to thingness. How could it not be so? Yeah? Just like silence is what provides the experience of sound. Without silence, there wouldn't be an experience of sound. There's got to be something for it to play off. Yeah? So here, this we're an appearance. Like all, we do this one all the time. So here's a chair. Yeah? Convincing tonight. Here's a chair. Let's say this chair has been here 40 years. A lot of important asses have sat on this chair. A lot of things have happened around this chair. This chair is like a centerpiece of this whole room. Yeah? And now I'm going to move this chair so that I move it. So I put it here. Now, did I have to move any space back into where that chair was? Did I have to go into the closet and get the right size of space to move it in? And if you look at that, where that chair was, how can you remember the chair only by memory? You can't see it anymore now. Without memory, it would be as if there was never a chair. Yes? The memory is what causes it to seem to have a reality when it's not here. Yeah? That's what happens with mind. The selfing is brought into a sense of reality by memory. Yeah. So, okay. So there's the chair. Now it's gone. Now, where would the effects of the chair be noticed? Here, on the rug, right? It's been here 40 years, there'd be grooves, yeah. And maybe it hit this wall a couple of times, so there'd be scuff marks, yes? So, this chair, the only place its field of effects is, is on other appearances, yeah? The rug and this. Now, in the space, does it leave any impression? Yeah. Does it leave any impression? In a sense, in, this, in the context of the space, it's like irrelevant, really. It has absolutely no effect on the space. Yes? Now, what's the difference between this chair, in a sense, and me? Well, I'm an appearance as this, yes? And if I leave, the only way you can see me is by memory. Yeah? It would be as if I was never here. Yeah? And... In a sense, this, I can't strangle space. I couldn't find its neck, could I? can't punch it. If I tear this wall down, I don't have to move space back in. In other words, the wall isn't taking up space, really. It's appearing in space. Yeah? So I would say we're an appearance in space as a body. But we're not taking up any space. But in a sense, we're an appearance as this. But as what I am, I'm the space. Yeah? I'm the nothingness that's moving through the thingness that's appearing in its space. Yeah. And yet this, in a sense, has no effect on space. Yet 
the entertaining of space can have a huge effect on this. But I can't. No matter if you went home to your hometown and went to where you did your worst act that you ever did, the most heinous thing you ever did, there would be no sense of it in the space. Maybe there would be like a, some bark would be missing out of the tree where you ran into when you were drunk driving. But in the space, there would be no recollection of it, yes? It's like sky. You have Fourth of July explosions, but does the sky ever get opened up by the explosion? Yeah? You have clouds go by that rain, and the rain affects the earth, but does, does the sky ever get wet? When you hear an airplane flying, does it call up, you know, the uh, tower and say, hey, I just ran into some sky up here? <laughs> what the hell? I never didn't see that sky before. No, there's no, nothing's running into it, yeah? Everything appears in it, but it, everything that appears in it doesn't affect the sky, yes? The sky is like, that's why in Zen, in Buddhism, not Zen, in Tibetan Buddhism, they call it open sky mind, yeah? The mind is sort of has that sense of it. It's very, very empty very, very open, and yet everything appears in it, yes? It's almost like a mirror, a surface of a mirror, and, appear, and things appear in it, yeah? Our attention and interest is on what's appearing in the mirror instead of this, the mirror, so to speak, yes? The quality of seeing and reflecting is being forgotten, and we're taking ourselves to be something that's reflected, There is a solution, as they say in the covenant. If you die to the self instead of as the self, it will be a different story as you're living. Dying to the self is you stop believing the thought system and what it presents as you all day. When you die as the self, you're believing the thought system and you're believing yourself to be a body and you're believing yourself to be in time and you're being, believing yourself to be in space, and you're, you're at the effects of all the other appearances here, greatly. And there's no remembering of what you may possibly be, because you're sure that, you're, that you are a body. Well, that's dying as a self, isn't it? Have you ever noticed, I'll end with this one, in Buddhism they say, well, some, some Buddhist sects, the whole point of living is to get ready for the moment of dying. Yeah? It's a very important little transition. So let's say here, I'm listening to my head all day, and my head is obviously from the past. Yeah? So a moment of conscious contact occurs. I'm, not, I'm oblivious to that, but I'm not oblivious to the interpretation of that moment that comes the next moment. Yeah? When so, for something to happen, it has to take time. So, in, in other words, your interpret, the mind's interpretation of conscious contact does not happen at the exact moment of conscious contact. It happens a little later. Yeah. So here I am, living. When I was a little kid, I was just alive, and now I've gotten up the ass of self, and I'm taking, living up in my head. And I'm living on a time delay. So you can notice with certain people, they'll go, they'll call you up at 8 o'clock at night and say they had a bad day at work. Yeah? The mind just told them at 7.59 they had a bad day at work. They were in the day, but they had no idea it was batting until they get home, and then the head gives them an interpretation. Go, yes, it was a bad day, and I resent that person. And everything. Yeah? So you're on a time delay. Yeah? So let's say every moment you miss, you're not aware, there's not the present awareness of conscious contact. There's a hyper-awareness of the interpretation. Yeah? You're listening every day. Now what happens 
if you progress in your life to the point of dying. Yeah. Let's say. Okay, so now the moment of death occurs and dying occurs, yeah? And you weren't aware of it. And you're waiting for your head to tell you that you did die. But the head shut down with the body. Yeah? I mean, maybe the big, biggest bust that will ever come in your life, which is birth and death, you've missed the second one. <laughs> you know what I mean? You weren't even aware when the moment of, of this stopping occurred because you were waiting for your head, which is an object, to tell you that you died. Well, it doesn't, it's never going to tell you that you died. You're dead. <laughs> yeah. All that life. Or you may be there and then you, the mind will pull a really nice one right at the end of your life. You really blew this whole life. <laughs> Can you imagine? 78 years of living, 78 years, and then you're laying there, and there's like one breath left, and the mind gives you this parting little shot. You were fucking useless your whole life. Wow! <laughs> and you've been believing it every moment of your life? You think you're not going to believe it then? <laughs> what? I want to do a lot. Oh, no, it's over. It's finished. <laughs> what a terrible note to end on. <laughs> you don't think it won't do that? Doesn't it do it to you now? You may be having a great relationship. I hate that relationship. Sucks on that. But then you see video of you and you're looking happy and everyone that knows you thinks you're happy. No, I haven't been happy for months. What? I've got proof. Look at these videos. We were surfing that day with you and whatever. No, I was really unhappy that whole time on that vacation. This is a fucking story. The mind wrote. Yeah? Jeez, we have no immunity to it. It's just playing with us like a, like a cat with a little mouse. Yeah? So, it's not playing with us. It got to use the language, you know. So, hey, that's it for today. A question? Any questions? Yes? I have a question. Why do we even exist? Ah, nah. Forget the why. Forget the why. I felt like we're all, I feel like we're all built the hand of cards, so to speak. You know, as part of what we realize is that we're not the hand of cards. But I'm just like, it seems so meaningless. Like, it seems like everything's bullshit. But to who? I, well, I... Why the thing is, see, my belief is you do don't exist. What? You don't exist. Sure. Okay. I But if you don't exist, then there's no you that can have a what? <laughs> no, there's just opening of the eyes. You believe there's you opening the eyes. That's the selfing. I was going to say something, but... <laughs> yes, your identification as the body places you somewhere at some time. That's the sense, yes? When there's an identification as the body, you believe that you're somewhere at some time. So when you wake up in the morning, it's you in that bed at that time, waking up. That's the story of mind. Yes? I know. What? Thank God it's not you that believes it. <laughs>